Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 94 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Good afternoon. Yes, indeed. Good afternoon. Good weekend. Good weekend to you too. For date stamp purposes, we're doing this around about 4pm on a Saturday afternoon, which I would say relatively uncommon. Uncommon in so much as we've got time. Yeah, this is very true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you been this I've week? I've been okay. I've been okay. How about you? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, yeah, getting there. Was in Poland, briefly. Yeah, have you brought back coronavirus? Um, I don't think so. I think I've been averting pandemics so far. Have you been enjoying the, the chaos? Um, I think enjoying is the wrong word, but I certainly have become pretty fascinated by it. Absolutely, it's wild, it's wild times, wild times. I, I saw a woman in boots today kicking off because there was no hand sanitizer. Then she asked the lady in boots, a chemist, if Tesco had any. <laughs> to which the woman replied, I don't know, I this don't is know. boots. Yeah. Go to Tesco. Go to Tesco and find out. So uh, yeah, everybody's mental. Everyone seems to have taken leave of their senses, or at least a lot of people have, kind of temporarily. But we haven't. We well, are still watching stuff, we're still doing what we're doing. What have you been watching? Well, I wouldn't say that we haven't taken leave of our senses because we both watched something that I don't know why we thought that this would end any better than it did, but we watched 47 Meters Down Uncaged. We did indeed. Yeah, that's the thing that we did. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Johannes Roberts directs the follow-up to his own film, 47 Meters Down, Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you are not familiar, is a highly unremarkable shark film starring Mandy Moore. Yes, it is, yes. Uh, didn't do a lot for me, I must admit. No, 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 not for me. And I think that my interest in the sequel was kind of mostly motivated by morbid curiosity. I was kind of astonished that they were making a second one. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where is there for this to go? And I mean, obviously what was going to happen was it was going to be completely disparate from the original and have no real connection to it. And it was just going to be another shark story. Sure, yes. So I had managed my expectations down in that way. However... <laughs> Do you remember briefly when uh, the kind of horror trades and stuff were talking about it, it was going to be called 48 Meters Down? Yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> That's so lame. Like, so I think it was so also going to be called Chapter 2 for a while, uh, which I also okay. wouldn't have cared for. But uh, yeah, 47 Meters Down Uncaged. Uh, yeah, really, really did not like this at all. No, I thought it was terrible. Uh, yeah, it did very little for me. And actually also... Uh, really quite egregious with its own like kind of logic cheats oh, and yeah. kind of inconsistencies and things like that like quite amateurish in that respect yeah the minute they got underwater and they were communicating with each other and i saw that they didn't have any like headphones or <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how well headphones work underwater anyway but um they were communicating with each other quite well and quite clearly and you could see that their ears were uncovered and clear of any earpiece of any kind any sound transmitting device those things sound pedantic but once you see them you can't unsee them and it does take you out of it in a way that i don't think you can recover from yeah that was me the whole time i was like oh cool just hundreds of adr dialogue i'm not interested yeah exactly and that's kind of the tip of the iceberg with the problems with this one i think yeah i hated this yeah me too i know you know what i'm not going to dwell on the particulars of why i did i just um i didn't find the characters compelling didn't find the story compelling thought effects wise it was really quite poor just one of those things that 
I never got on board with, never threatened to get on board with, just it never landed. Yeah, decidedly subpar effort across the board, I think. It really feels phoned in to me. I agree. Presumably they had some budget because they fired off and they shot a good chunk of it abroad by the looks of things. Seems that way, yeah. Nice and sunny, which is lovely if you can get it. It's kind of what I always feel like Adam Sandler does. (laughs) <laughs> when studio gives him like 20 million dollars to make a comedy i kind of just feel like he rounds up his pals and goes on holiday <laughs> if you can get it i guess yeah but, but i was uh, mentioning by the way that we might have um uh, some occasional input from a co-host tonight yeah you might be able to hear my son screeching away he uh has been particularly vocal today so yeah yeah you may you may well hear him just occasionally chiming in because he didn't care for 47 meters down on caged either he was there for a good chunk of it if you recall yeah mm-hmm. uh yeah he he thought it was a lot of arse that's yep. what he told me Really was up for those exact words. <laughs> yeah. uh, elsewhere, we did watch something a little better, though. Yeah, we did, yeah. Adam Stovall's A Ghost Waits. Yeah, yeah, I, a, a completely different side of the coin here. I really liked this. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Uh, so so what you have with A Ghost Waits is a guy in a house kind of doing some work on it. Yeah, I think he, uh, the, the previous owners have abandoned it, and he's going in to do it up, I think, with the intention of letting it out again or selling it on. Yeah, this house is haunted, though. Pivotal plot point there, yes, it is. Rather, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he falls in love with the ghost. And uh, what follows basically is just how that impacts both of them and the obvious kind of question about how this is going to work. Yeah, I mean, I don't imagine it's easy. No? Although... Ray Stance gets a blowjob off that ghost in Ghostbusters, so if that's any kind of measure of what the relationship would be like between a man and his ghost lover, then that's alright to me. Not bad. Not bad. But yeah, no, I like this too. I thought that all the way through it was kind of like very charming, uh, very witty, very cute. Yeah. What I would say is I can understand why, without saying anything too much about what actually happens, I would say I can understand why the ending's dividing opinion. Yeah, yeah, me too. To, To an extent, I mean... It's just a climate issue in terms of today's climate. Potentially, yeah. But I still enjoyed the film. It, 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 I saw some people kind of ranting about it a little bit. I, mean, I don't really think it deserves that level of rant. Even if you aren't hot in the ending, I think that like there's so much good stuff going on in there. Yeah, and McLeod Andrews, I mean, he's pretty much the only man on screen for most of the film. Yeah, for a large part, but for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's great in it. Yeah. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. And obviously, I mean, like uh, this was doing the rounds at Fright Fest, and so now you're catching up with it as well. Yes, I've caught up with it, thanks to Adam. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, I think I think. It's really good. I think it's worth checking out. I'd be very curious to know what other people that were at Fred Fest that saw it thought as well. Yep. I do have one more. Yeah. Let's go back to the 90s. 90s side quest continues, this time with <laughs> Idle Hands. <laughs> That was just something I was trying out there. Yeah, it worked fine for me. Yeah, yeah. Idle Hands, amazing. That's a great film. Uh, yeah, Idle Hands is really, really good, I think, actually. I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. And um, I watched it last night, and I really, really liked it. I, I thought it was very funny. I thought it was like surprisingly kind of graphic and surprisingly yeah. gory for the kind of film that it is and the kind of audience it was being pitched at. I also thought it was just generally like quite eccentric mm-hmm. and more eccentric than those kinds of films were at that time generally great favourite of past guest Jill Gavargazian ah is it okay yeah, I can yeah. see that and uh, Devin Sawa is brilliant in this I think he is yeah he's excellent because obviously it is him that has the devil's hands sure and him trying to kind of like keep agency while the hands are trying to do things and kind of lead him off the path of righteousness is continually very very funny but in this kind of very physical comedy Buster Keaton kind of way yeah it's that kind of evil deadiness about it yeah I, and I thought that uh, I thought he sold that really hard it worked really well yeah he's brilliant in this yeah he is great he is great and um, yeah Jessica Alba is in there as well of course yeah what happened to Jessica Alba last huge thing I remember her doing was Sin City yeah, yeah I don't remember if she was in she did the eye the eye yeah I feel like she did another one of those you know like an English language adaptation of an Asian horror I feel like it was something like One Missed Call or one of them Right, okay. But I could be wrong. Kill it inside me as well. Oh, <laughs> and she gets punched to death. 
Uh, yes, God, that film's yeah, horrible. That is a yeah. horrible moment in this film. That's a horrible moment in a wider, horrible film. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Idle Hands, I would say uh, one of the more resounding successes of the 90s order side quest so far. Brilliant. Excellent. It. Great choice. Moving on. Yeah. What have they been saying? I've been saying a decent amount this week. It is feedback time. And, well, a few things to get through. Sure. And we did have some uh, some more comments on the live show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, thanks to everyone who came along to that. It's out there in the world now. Please give it a listen and let us know what you're thinking because we've got some pretty huge live stuff coming up this year that we've just kind of broadly confirmed, but it's, it's big. Watch the space. Yeah. We're, yeah, there's some cool things going on. We did have Dr. Lauren getting in touch this week, just uh, kind of looking back on it, saying, fun times at Strong Violent PC on Thursday. Nice to see. And then a list of people that was effectively uh, John McPhail, Yes. Uh, Kevin Matthews, mm-hmm. Kim, Kim Morrison, and of course ourselves, you and me, Michael Park and Panda, across the board, presenters, AV and photographers. Yeah, yeah, and great to see everybody there and great to see so many people, uh, we've said this a million times, but great to see so many people kind of engaging with one another. Yeah, hanging out, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Mm-hmm. You got anything on the live show? Yep, uh, buying an LV, sadly not at the live show. Nah, but there'll be other chances. Yep, but uh, looks like Strong Violent PC was a blast all round. Fair. Um, catching up on Frogtown, which I need to see. So this is kind of a double doubler here. One big pair of testicles sounds more uh, realistic, by the way. See you later in the year. Now, that was in relation to uh, the Dance of the Three Snakes. Yes, from, of course. Uh, that comes to Frogtown. And I, you were talking about how the penises were kind of laid out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I touched on the, what the condition of the gonads would be. And I think kind of came up at loggerheads on that. <laughs> yeah, fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't quite come to an agreement on the way the testicles would be laid out. Yeah, and yeah, so uh, so more people getting in and uh, weighing in on the contentious issues of the day, which is always <laughs> good. Very much appreciated. By the way, uh, coming down on my side there, Laura. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, like, I, I can see the wisdom in what you're saying. I can see it, but like, honestly, but I just now I'm just being stubborn. <laughs> uh, anything else before we move on? Yeah, more on the live show here coming in from Kean O'Brien at Not So Kean. Ah, good lad. Nice guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lovely guy. Asking a question at the Strong Violent PC live show last week was a lot of fun until the episode was released and I had to hear my voice on a recording. Ah, nah, I thought it sounded good. Do you know, see the first few episodes we did? Uh huh. And I had to edit them, obviously, like, like way back, almost two years ago now. Yeah. I hated it. I hated hearing my voice. I, then I grew to hate your voice. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not saying I like my voice anymore now, but it certainly doesn't. You still also hate mine. <laughs> I hate yours more because <laughs> um, it's funny. The more you, the more you edit, you've probably noticed me doing little things in the episodes that you've edited. But you do this thing which I cut out of every episode. Like if you stumble over your words, you go like this, and then you move on. You do it again, and I'm always like, "Oh, you did that fucking thing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> so it's funny. You kind of come to hate aspects of each other's voices. Like there's things I do. I'm like, "Oh God, I hate when I do that." Mm, I yeah, I find them far more to myself than with you, to be honest. Ah, oh, see that you'll come to hate me. <laughs> I'm sure that'll come with time. Yeah, yeah. You'll come to hate me as I hate myself. Ah, oh, lovely. That's a nice sentiment, isn't it? You done with the live show stuff? I'm done with live show stuff. Cool, Dr. Lauren got in touch talking about Verotica, which you obviously touched on on last week's mini so In some depth, apologies. Yeah, delving in, deep dive into Glenn Danzig's anthology, Verotica, just saying, well, after that Verotica review, you'll be pleased to hear that Danzig is working on a vampire western starring Danny Trejo and Devin Sawa of Idle Hands. Yeah, I'm not happy to hear that at all. Uh, enjoying the continuation of Andy Makesup's Animal Facts, and it was great to see you both at the weekend. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, I was also enjoying the um, the Animal Facts coming back into play again. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, I, I would say that I am not brimming with excitement about his his uh, his Western. 
his horror western. No, no, not I. At this point, I'm I'm going to really struggle to get jazzed for anything that Glenn Danzig does in the visual field. Yeah, I think. I would say that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So Rob Nevitt got in touch. Ah, Rob of celluloid screams, no less. Yes, indeed, he got in touch to talk about Hell Comes to Frogtown. Uh, much like Andy makes stuff, I saw Hell Comes to Frogtown at a younger age than was probably advisable. I don't think I was quite ready for a film that is effectively a greasy combo of Escape from New York and Confessions of a Window Cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> or to put it another way, a post-apocalyptic version of On the Buses. Both good assessments. Those are great. <laughs> now, as it is, thanks for getting in touch, Rob. Also, Andrew Marshall, semi-pro geek, getting in touch. Yeah. And this was um, a protracted conversation uh, that went on in Twitter, so I'm going to cut through the highlights of it. But uh, we were talking about uh, the acting competency of wrestlers. Oh, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I got fucking schooled on that one. So what was your original inflammatory comment there? I said historically I didn't think that wrestlers were great actors, but I was speaking more at the kind of in terms of the guys that were around at the time. So I was talking about your Hulk Hogan's. I was actually even talking about your Andre the Giant. Although somebody did weigh in and say that Andre the Giant was good in the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree. He was tall. Yeah, which, and that was kind of his part. Yeah, I hear that. That makes sense. But then obviously people were throwing around names like John Cena, who's great, and Dave Bautista, who's great, and CM Punk, who obviously is great in Travis's film. Um, yeah, I mean this is this floor. is ultimately what Andre was saying because as I've just essentially read Andrew's tweet you've paraphrased it pretty much yeah because you did say I said wrestlers other than Dwayne Johnson have been decent actors Dave Bautista might not be on the same level but he's got compelling natural charisma the edge has put in incredible performances I think he means edge rather than the edge the, the guitarist from U2 has put incredible performances in TV shows Haven and Vikings and CM Punk was pretty good in uh, Girl on the Third Floor and then uh, the I Spit on Your Grades team got in touch and uh, shouted up for John Cena as well yeah yeah I would agree with the John Cena point because he has been good in a few things I've seen him in but uh, yeah, I, I didn't know Edge had been in stuff, so I was only talking in terms of people that I'd, I'd seen in things. Yeah, but and CM Punk had completely left my mind. So did Batista. Also, I'm a real heel, Scotty. Scotty Henry got in touch saying that Jesse Ventura was good in Predator and The Running Man, and it was, I believe, also him that made the suggestion about the Princess Bride. Yeah, can't argue with that either. That's that's a great shout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, a lot of chat about wrestlers this week, and a lot of people uh, weighing in with some really good shouts there as well. Yeah, absolutely, Mitch. I'm happy to tell you, I don't have any more feedback this week. I believe that I am also tapped, which means it can be time for only one thing. It's once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out all of the titles, taglines, anything like that, any identifying text whatsoever, leaves only the image, and it will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability, and where possible, give it both a title and a synopsis. Yeah, excellent. So last week we had Destroyer. Yeah. Reappropriated by me as construction site of destruction, demented cement mixers, drilling, killing, and bloodstained cranes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, why not? And a whole load of people got in touch with um, suggestions for this. Let me hear them. So again, apologies if we don't get to absolutely every last one because we did have a whole load. CP Buckley getting in touch. This is a long one. Oh, God. After being killed in a freak tarmacking incident, council worker Jackson Childers returns from the grave in order to get revenge for what is discovered to be a murder. As he kills those responsible and investigates his death, Jackson discovers that his murderer is the head of the local council, Marshall Land, <laughs> who it turns out has been in love with Jackson's wife since they were all at school. Marshall has been biding his time, amassing enough power to get Jackson out of the picture. After Jackson's death, Marshall soon gets close to his wife and they start a relationship. Ooh, that sounds J- risky. Jackson hunts through several of Marshall's wannabe lieutenants to find answers. When he discovers the man who engineered the crime, he attacks him. But Marshall is ready for him and manages to catch Jackson off guard, burying him in his backyard and setting him on fire. In which order, I wonder? <laughs> wow. Just set a pile of dirt. A year later, Jackson returns again and finds that Marshall has moved. Now the decomposed corpse must hunt again. When he finds Marshall, he sees his wife again, but she's horrified by him. 
Marshall calls the house and tells Jackson that he is at the place where it all began. Jackson goes to his old school, which was now a construction <laughs> site. After a drawn-out fight, Jackson kills Marshall. As he does, his former wife arrives at the site and weeps at her new husband, cursing Jackson. Jackson leaves, having gotten his revenge, but also having paid a terrible price. <laughs> Rejected by his former love and seemingly sake. unable to die, Jackson is cursed to walk the world as Bad Jack the Roadwalker. <laughs> and relax. Wow, fucking hell. I've honestly read shorter treatments. I've I've, I've read shorter stories. (laughs) Thanks very much for that, CP. Chris Salt. Yes. Shady business magnates arranged to have environmental eco-activist Teresa Verhoggen. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Killed after she starts protesting the construction of a lucrative new eight-lane bypass right through the heart of a beautiful woodland forest. Suspecting foul play, Teresa's fiancé, Ivor Scruffybeard, begins investigating her death, only to be thwarted at every turn by corrupt local authorities. Then one night, while out scattering Teresa's ashes in her favourite hilltop beauty spot, he is accidentally struck by radioactive lightning. (laughs) (laughs) And his face falls off and his body balloons to an enormous muscly size. (laughs) Filled with an unnatural atomic rage and superhuman strength, Ivor takes matters and one of his contractor's pneumatic drills into his own hands, tearing up the freshly laid thoroughfare. In 1989's incredibly low-stakes action, The Road Warrior. <laughs> Wait, the what? The Road Warrior. Warrior? Yeah. <laughs> By an LV, building contractor Wilhelm Scream ignores the warnings. <laughs> and it's a power line. Now he's amped up for revenge in 1989's Killer Watt, Path of Least Resistance. That's fucking great. Followed by 1991's Ride the Lightning and Carry Me Home. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Uh, I spit on your grades. Yeah. After a West Country DIY store robbery in which former pro bodybuilder, now store clerk, Stay Royds, has his face <laughs> ruined by paint thinner, he will now, with the mystical unlabeled tin of paint running through his veins, seek vengeance on the thugs responsible. It's 1983's DIY, Dead in Yeovil. <laughs> your paint is his pleasure. <laughs> Canal, when the tradespeople of a sleepy Australian village fly into a murderous rage after ingesting an experimental chemical mixed into their Tuesday afternoon pub cocaine, <laughs> only buxom H&S inspector Chasey B can stop them in 1983's Ozploitation hit Mad Men at Work, Bloodbath <laughs> Down Under. <laughs> Kevin Matthews, when Skeletor is transported to Earth, he immediately <laughs> crosses path with James Bond and the battle gets odd as Skeletor mistakes a popular vacuum cleaner for a weapon. Frank Langella gives an astonishing performance opposite Roger Moore in the dubious crossover Live and Let Dyson. <laughs> right, wow. Hanny underscore Ray, a reedy power tool salesman, skinny O'Toole, <laughs> reaches hell after a fatal road accident, entirely his fault. Finding talent for making pacts at the underworld's gym, he works his way through Lucifer's ranks to become a muscle-bound reaper. Damnation station, tools for the job. <laughs> These are really good this week. A really high standard really once again. Good. Yeah, I must yeah. say. And back on track living. Boss. Ah, boss. Uh, Ghost Rider 3, when all hope and your face is extinguished, it's time to get pew-pew pneumatic on their asses. <laughs> and finally, Tony Constantine. Yes. On the first anniversary of the Smorgasbord prison siege, oh. a freak electrical storm causes mild-mannered apprentice driller Basil Breadcrumbs to become possessed <laughs> with superhuman electropowers and start hunting New York cops. But when veteran detective Curtis starts to suspect Basil is, in fact, being possessed by the recently executed vengeful spirit of balloon bomber Mandrake Billfinger... No way! Kurt must enlist the help of his estranged father, Frank, <laughs> and put aside their differences to track down Basil and save the city in 1991's shocking sequel, electro Cop Killer. <laughs> Kurt and Frank discussion on the trail of breadcrumbs. 
Uh, you kept that one quiet this week. You're yep. really like, Tony's pitch is great. <laughs> uh, okay. So, best character name? Best character name. Laura Bynan. Laura Bynan. Okay. Wilhelm Scream. Yes. Yep, very good. And best pitch? Um, best pitch, I'm going to give to Chris Salt, but special mention to Tony, so we'll send him a small package or nothing. Okay, so two-thirds of the nothing to Chris, one-third to Tony. No, Chris gets his full share. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. That's fine, that's fine. I was going to say that concludes Mitch's Pitches, it does not. It concludes the listener portion of Mitch's Pitches, for I have another for you now. Are you ready? Yes, I'm assuming that you have something for me. Here we yep, go. Yep, it's flying through the ether. Oh my, okay, here we go. Okay, so the border to the image is black, mm-hmm. gold trim. Uh, come for the laugh stay for the detail yeah exactly Um, uh, the background of the image is just a kind of like a kind of a a sunset skyline yeah very Bob Ross-esque lots of happy little trees yeah yes yes indeed Uh, doing a circuit in the background there in the forefront of the image we have a woman leaping out of a body of water right sure yes or perhaps being yanked from a body of water she is Caucasian with long blonde hair looking quite shocked and she's wearing a red bikini uh-huh. She's also being snared by either she's tiny and she's being snared by a regular sized fishhook, uh-huh. or she is regular sized and being snared by a giant fishhook. Right. Yeah, One yeah. of those two things is happening. And that's pretty much the crux of it, to be honest. A uh, voluptuous blonde woman in a red bikini leaps from a body of water while attempting to avert a fishhook. Which is actually, I'm just now realising, pulling at her bikini. Yeah, it's conveniently hooked itself through both her bikini bottoms and top. Yes, it seems that way. Yeah, I can only end one way, much. This is very true. Yeah. But how will it end? I yeah. need a moment. Do you know, I'm still sitting here thinking about 47 metres down uncaged and I'm getting more and more angry that I've watched it. Yeah, I know the feeling. That was terrible, terrible. It's a source of some annoyance to me. Yeah, yeah. Guess we won't be seeing Johannes Roberts on the show anytime soon. <laughs> no, no. I wouldn't say so. No, no, probably no. No, because it was, it was garbage. So, yeah. speaking of garbage. <laughs> Can't wait for this. With their first anniversary approaching, blissfully happily married couple Herbert and Miriam Well-To-Do head for their woodland cabin for a romantic weekend away. What sounds a bit like? However, things take an immediately sinister turn when Herb goes for a lakeside stroll on their arrival and falls foul of a mysterious hooded figure languishing by the pedalos. <laughs> In eventual rage, the figure places a curse on Miriam, by which she is shrunk to the size of a haddock and sent into the river to kill and deliver fish to feed Terranovius, the mythical lord of the river. Sure, okay. Battling against nautical creatures great and small, while also trying to evade the hooks and bait of fishermen, it's up to Miriam to appease the nautical ne'er-do-well. In 1978's Beach Shrink and Feed Terry. <laughs> the summer just got shorter. <laughs> so how wrong am I? Well, I was hoping you were going to say that she became one of those fish that swims up your dick. Of course you were. Like, no, Miriam, no! <laughs> get, get out of my urethra! <laughs> so, tell me more. You're pretty wrong. I had a feeling. Uh, <laughs> uh, the year, what year did you say? 78. Oh, well, we're 1986. Okay. And the film is Bloodhook. Bloodhook, eh? Bloodhook. Okay. Uh, so what's that about and who's synopsisizing? Uh, well, we have Jean-Marc Rochier. Okay. Presumably part of the Ferrero Rocher dynasty. Potentially, yes. <laughs> All those hazelnut dollars. Heir to, heir to hazelnut fortune. <laughs> uh, it's time for the annual Musky Madness fishing contest. And the lake is packed with hopeful fishermen. It soon becomes apparent, however, that a psychotic serial killer has also decided to join the festivities. Although the police have determined that the killer is claiming his victims by landing them with giant fish hooks, no clear suspects can be found since everyone is using the exact same hook. 
<laughs> what is the killer's goal? And more importantly, can the murders be stopped? Ooh. Excellent. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Thanks. Ooh. Ooh. I like that very much. Is that any good? Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's, oh, I, I've got real fondness for it. Is it precisely how it sounds? Yeah. Yeah. It's, That's cool. That's silly. That concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere, though, so get pitching. Yes, it is. Yes. Go, go, go in your droves. Yes. Yes. Get it done. Uh, so, streaming platforms this week. Oh, here Lo- we go. Loads of stuff. All right. Uh, not on Amazon Prime, though. Uh, Sky Cinema, then. <laughs> <laughs> on Monday we have The Return of Westworld Season ah, 3 Episode okay. 1 In a futuristic Western themed amusement park Westworld The visitors interact With automatons However all hell Breaks loose When the robots Begin at malfunctioning Do you know I loved the first series Of this But I didn't watch The second one at all so Alright okay Now maybe the time To catch up Well yeah I'm pretty far behind I would say Yeah uh, Saturday 21st We've got The Intruder Coming to Sky Cinema Scott and Annie Russell Couldn't be happier After buying their dream home From a mysterious And lonely widower Named Charlie In Napa Valley Their newfound paradise Soon turns into a a living nightmare shocker when Charlie, still strangely attached to the house, begins to show up and interfere in their daily lives. When his erratic behaviour turns to obsession, the young couple soon find themselves caught up in a violent confrontation that threatens to destroy everything they hold dear. Mm, sounds like a smoky thriller. It does indeed, doesn't it? Moving on to Shudder, on Monday the 16th, we've got two. We've got The Reef from 2010. While sailing to Indonesia with his friend, Luke's boat capsizes. Desperate to survive, a few members decide to risk swimming to a nearby island, but a great white shark starts trailing sure, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also Sorority Row. The students of a sorority tried to hide the death of one of their house sisters but are stalked by a serial killer which sorority row are we talking here I believe it's the newer one the newer oh, the, well the original would be the house and sorority row I suppose. yeah yeah yeah, I okay. think, yeah. Yep. also on Shudder Thursday 19th we've got Missions season 2 uh, it's a French production. A European billionaire's venture to put the first people on Mars faces major crises on arrival, threatening to split an already fractious crew. Okay. Netflix, absolute mountain of stuff on Netflix this week. Monday, the 16th, we have got It, Chapter 1, from yeah. 2017. Yeah, it's fine. As kids vanish throughout town, a group of outcasts must face their biggest fears as well as a murderous, terrifying, and seemingly invincible clown. Notable for being considerably better than It, Chapter 2. <laughs> Agreed. Tuesday 17th um, a big favourite from Celluloid Screams this year Extraordinary oh brilliant great film lonely driving instructor Rose reluctantly uses her paranormal talents when a teenager is targeted for sacrifice by a Satan obsessed former rock star played by Will Forte he's brilliant in this he is great uh, Friday 20th we've got The Platform in a prison where inmates on high floors eat better than those below who get the scraps one man tries to affect change so everyone gets enough okay Taking on from that, and also season one of Vampires, a Paris teen who's half human, half vampire, grapples with her emerging powers and family turmoil as she's pursued by a secret vampire community. Is this not kind of what that new thing with Sophia Lillis is also kind of about? Uh, yeah, that, I think. But she was just like she just had superpowers. But yeah, What's the difference? I mean, the answer is still yes. Yeah. Uh, also on Friday, if you looked at the Blumhouse Truth or Dare from a couple of years ago and thought, you know what, there needs to be more of that, you're in luck. Uh, Truth or Dare <laughs> extended director's cup. <laughs> In this more intense version of the Blue Mouse Thriller, a group of college friends on spring break play a game of truth or dare that turns deadly. Yeah, you uh, famously, episode one, you talked about how much you loved this. I did indeed, yeah. And uh, Sunday 22nd, Paradise Hills. Uma wakes up in a lush tropical facility designed to turn willful girls into perfect ladies. That's bad enough, but its real purpose is even worse. Emma Roberts in this. Right, okay. Uh, That is about your lot, but I think that's quite a lot to be getting stuck into. Uh, The selection or the kind of pick this week is a bit of a hands-down situation for me. Extraordinary. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. I th- I actually thought you were going to go for It Chapter 1 and I was going to push back on that. No, no, no. No, no, no. But yes, correct. E- extraordinary. is very good. Yeah, get that watched. Yeah. So, turn our attentions to this week then. Yeah. And we do have a guest. <laughs> yeah, we do. And uh, you may know him from this year's Fright Fest, Glasgow. 
Mm-hmm. You may know him as being the director of A Ghost Wait. <laughs> you may know him uh, from earlier in this podcast. I was going to say, you may remember when we referenced him approximately 30 minutes ago yeah. on this podcast. It's Adam Silval. Yes! And what film has he chosen? Oh, well, So we're going back to 1990, Mitch. Okay. Uh, for a film that I saw when I was underage in the cinema. My granny, God rest her soul, took mm-hmm. me to see it. It's a lot of fun. Some people think it's shite. Other people love it. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested in seeing what the flavour is. Okay. Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Gremlins 2, The New Batch with Adam Stovall this week. Gonna be fun. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? If you want to get in touch and let us know, there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and you can jump on our website, strongviolentpod.com, and just have a snoop around. Yeah, cool stuff happening there. Cool stuff <laughs> happening there in the future as well. Some yeah. things going on. Yeah. We keep on talking in the oblique about things. They'll yeah. be there soon. But we've talked in the oblique about things before and things have happened. It's very true. So just keep watching this, guys. We're back on Friday for episode 94, talking Gremlins 2, the new batch with Adam Stovall. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.